Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the internet. So grab a cocktail, it's always happy hour somewhere, and enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Well, howdy, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show. It is Wednesday, April 29th, 2020. I am your host, Scott Fullerton. I hope you're all having a fantastic hump day out there. Seems like in a couple days, uh, more of America is going back to work. So uh, there's that to look forward to. Uh, I hope you're enjoying your week. I am excited. We're doing another full five-week episode here. As you know, the Sojourn on Mondays and Tuesdays. Last week, we did five days. We're going to be continuing to do five days every week until most people are going back to work. So that could be a couple more weeks here. And I appreciate you listening in. We've probably gained 2,000 listeners an episode last week going full-time. And I want to thank all my new listeners for showing in. Please keep it up. Tell your friends. Share this. If you can, go to your favorite podcast distributors and subscribe. And when you do, go ahead and find your favorite episodes and give them a five-star review. What that does is it lets them put it higher in their search rankings so more people can find the show, and I would really appreciate that. So just find on the shows that you really, really like for guests you really, really like. Speaking of guests, fantastic show last night. I had three titans of talk, as I like to call it. The amazing Frank DeCaro, who has been a giant in radio, LGBTQ radio, with his Sirius XM uh, show on OutQ for 10 years until they kiboshed that station. He's also written five amazing books, and he's currently got a brand new live digital streaming series um, called Big Wigs Live, based on his book, that he wrote last week, um, chronicling drag queens from around the country and across the ages. So be sure to look for that. It's on Wednesdays tonight. You can stream that. You can do the follow-up for it. Lots of great streaming on Wednesdays. So uh, stay on my show or or be sure to download it tomorrow. Or there's other great things to do. Um, But Frank's show is on Wednesdays on his Zoom. Look for that. And then I was able to talk to our good buddy, Adam Rothenberg from the Call Me Adam blog and website and podcasting. Adam is now an official part of the Left of Straight family. He is going to be doing a monthly uh, check-in with us, letting us know everything going on in New York and Broadway, because, of course, he lives out there in New York. So he's going to be our special New York uh, representative once a month at least, um, starting yesterday. So that was a lot of fun catching up with him. And then I was able to finish it with our good friend, Tommy Garassi. Tommy has his own brand new podcast called Tommy Talks, 
where he interviews a lot of great people, a lot of people that we know and have had on this show, and a lot of his personal friends that he's made throughout the years doing his entertainment blog. So it was a great night of talk radio with talk radio and podcast and streaming guests last night. A lot of fun. Tonight, I'm very excited. Two great guests coming up in just a couple minutes. I'm going to bring Sam Cushing on. If you don't know Sam, you're one of the few that doesn't. He is a huge Instagram star and influencer. He's been on Instagram since 2014, we discovered during the interview, and has recently started a YouTube channel back in October of last year that already has 3 million views on his videos. He is just the real deal, guys. He is a extremely handsome, extremely nice, extremely good-hearted soul who's trying to do good in the world. And we had a great interview last week, so I'm so excited to bring that to you in just a couple of minutes here. He, like I said, you need to follow his Instagram, you need to follow his YouTube channel. He has a brand-new website, samcushing.co.co. You need to check that out. And if you go to the Blog Talk Radio, you can link to one of his YouTube videos if you're not going through all of them. He's working with a company that is giving out hand sanitizer. For every bottle they sell, they're giving out one. And so I was really excited about hearing that. And you can go to Sam's YouTube channel and find the video. Then that's really cute and kind of fun. So, yeah, we're going to have Sam on just a little bit. And he is just an amazing guy, and I hope to have him on a lot more often. And then after that, I have on... Rachel Mason, uh, I talked to her last week as well, last Friday, and her family owned Circus of Books in West Hollywood, California, and she has taken that business that her family ran, uh, her mom and dad ran primarily, the kids didn't know much about it, to be honest, and made an amazing documentary about it, and this is a lower middle-aged Jewish couple who happened to become the biggest distributor for Larry Flint, yes, Hustlers Larry Flint, and opened their own gay adult bookstore on Santa Monica Boulevard in West Hollywood, California. And the documentary is amazing. Her family is amazing. So much to the story. And I'm really excited to bring it to you. And you need to check out the documentary on Netflix. It's there now. It's still popular. It's still trending. I've seen it two times now and recommended it a jillion others. So amazing interview with Rachel. And I'm going to be able to talk to her lover, Buck Angel, who is a transgender man that she's been dating for quite a while now. And eventually we're going to get her brother on, Josh, who was in the documentary and who turned out to be gay, much to his mom's chagrin at first. But there is a happy ending to the story, so you're going to have to listen to the interview to find that out. So a couple amazing interviews today. Thanks so much for tuning in. I uh, We are live now. I'm going to play both these pre-tape interviews back-to-back, then I'll come and do a live finish. Then we have two more great shows for you on Thursday and Friday. It's another great week of Left to Straight Radio. Thanks so much for tuning in. Tell your friends. And... Let's go ahead and go to Sam Cushing. We're going to do a little song interlude here with a song that Sam worked on, this other group. And then at the very end, Sam is an amazing piano player. We're going to play one of his original piano songs. So you're listening to Left to Straight Show right here on Left to Straight Radio Network. We are going to play a little musical break. And when we come back, I'm going to be talking to the one, the only, Sam Cushing.
Building memories just So I got something to do All in all If there's an easy way I'll do it for you too All in all I said I loved you and That means I love you Green with All in All, who my next guest had a little help in that video that you should be able to see on YouTube immediately. It's very, very cool. He's the kind of guy you want to take home to mom. His dashing good looks, education and teaching abilities, fitness and musicality are just a few of the reasons that he is one to watch on Instagram and his YouTube channel. It's amassed over 3 million views after only being on the platform for seven months. 
and he's just launched a new lifestyle and positivity website, and I'm excited to talk to him all about that. Please welcome to the Left to Straight Show for the very first time, Mr. Sam Cushing. Sam, how you doing, man? <laughs> what an intro. I need to, I need to, I need that for later. You speak by, <laughs> that was amazing. Thank you. And thank you for oh, having you me are the, Dude, you are Captain America, man. I think you are awesome. Everything you're doing, like I told you out there, I think that you do it with sincerity. Otherwise, you're bluffing damn good, my friend. You're doing good. Um, I just think you're an amazing human <laughs> thank being. You. Thanks for coming on the show. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for having me. How are you holding up in COVID-19? I know you're kind of sheltering a place at home as well. Are you uh, doing well, family doing well, finding ways to pass the time with all your 8,000 projects you have going on at once? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think that, that helps quite a lot, is just kind of keeping busy. I think for me, um, and I talk about this in my latest video, but just sort of like establishing routine, that's really helped in creating a sense of, of normalcy in my life. I mean, honestly, I'm quite fortunate. I mean, right now I'm, I am kind of, I'm spending time with my family and quarantined and, you know, thankfully I, you know, we have a backyard, so I'm able to get out a little bit. You know, I was gone for such a long time. I was gone, I was living away since I was like 19 years old. So just, so just being back and reconnecting with them has been quite wonderful. So if there's any silver lining for right. all of this, I would say that it's that. I mean, I think that I'm in a pretty, um, a pretty fortunate situation and I'm totally aware of that. Piano has gotten me through a lot, let me tell you. Piano and fitness. <laughs> Those two things. That is very cool. Well, I'm telling you, I'm living for the videos. I'm falling in love with Mom, Christy, and the music. So it's, it's kind of fun. <laughs> Thanks for being one of the content creators. That's the one good thing that come out of this whole thing is we found some amazing content creators out there, not only on YouTube and on your personal platforms, but just people doing live streams and Zooms and songs and play readings and fitness exercises. It's been an amazing time. I think I think that creativity has really come to the forefront, don't you think? Yeah, for sure. I mean I kind of feel like, you know, this this responsibility now a little bit, right? Like I feel like as a as a content creator, this is sort of I don't want to say my time to shine, but it's my time to kind of give, right? It's my time to to hopefully entertain and like, you know, produce some sort of value adding content, whether that is, you know, anything fitness related or music related. So I'm glad you see that benefit. <laughs> no, it definitely is. And I, and I think hats off to you and all the content creators and pe performers out there that are making the best of this time and really keeping people's spirits up because we can't leave the house. And uh, we're learning things. We're hearing things. We have amazing streaming concerts. So it's just been very, very cool. I was talking to my friend, Scott. Like, I, I honestly can't even imagine how this would all go down you know, had it occurred even like 10 years ago, right? I mean, pre-Instagram pre Live, pre-social media, pre-TikTok, which is like the most entertaining platform ever right now. <laughs> like, right. I mean, it would have been a lot different, right? I, I mean, so at least there's... Oh, you're 100%. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I yeah. really can't imagine it. In fact, I was going to ask you, I had a question on that uh, later on on your traveling because you traveled so much in many places and you you do have this whole Instagram presence now and everything. Can you think of a time beforehand what it would be like and are you able to detach yourself and still live the adventure and not be in the moment for the Instagram and things like that? Is that becoming harder for you to still experience it or are you able to keep your head in that game? To still be adventurous, you mean? Yeah, just able to enjoy the adventure. I mean, a lot of times you yeah. see um, people that are going on these adventures and they're they're filming it for everybody, right? Because they're trying to bring their their 
listeners or fans or things along for the ride. And I want to make sure that you're not missing the experience because it feels like some people might be. Are you able to kind of keep that in the back of your mind and, and have oh, the experience yourself as much as for your listeners? Yeah. I mean, I will say, I think that when I was living abroad, I did a pretty good job at maintaining a healthy balance between actually living in the moment. Um, like, strangely enough, I actually found that when I went abroad on Instagram, I almost, I almost kind of went through, like, a low of, like, my social media presence because I feel like I almost, like, there were, there were, there were months where I would kind of scale it back because I think I was, I was concerned that I would have regrets when I was, you know, when I was older and be like, geez, I just, like, lived on social media that whole time that I was, you know, by myself, basically. It was me and, you know, right. my, uh, my now ex-boyfriend living abroad. So I, I think that I did an okay job in kind of living in the moment, but also like, you know, also still documenting that moment to be able to look back on. Um, and I think Very now cool. I'm in a place. Yeah. I think like per your, the other part of the question, if I understood it correctly and like kind of maintaining that adventurous spirit, I think with the whole quarantine and everything that's happening, it's, it's, it's been interesting because I, you know, I moved out when I was 19 to go to college and then I graduated and then I moved to, I moved to New York where I was a consultant for a little while. Then I, I, I did a little stint, a summer stint in, in LA because um, I was interested in the music industry because I write music on the piano. I studied abroad in Madrid. Then I moved to Argentina and then Colombia and it was kind of all over the place. So San Francisco was in there for a summer as well. So I think now it's kind of like, it kind of came at a perfect time, I guess, all of this just to take a breath right. and to take kind of a little bit of a, a step back from that adventure as it relates to travel so that i mean i think you can have adventure in other ways but like gotcha. the the travel oh, sure. has certainly been scaled back so yeah I'm, cool. I'm in a good place yeah nice and let's do a little bit of background i mean people will talk about your youtube channel a bit and people can find a lot of bit of background there but what kind of a kid were you when, when you grew up and what did you first want to be when you grew up when i was a kid i wanted I sort of oscillated between two different fantasies. One, <laughs> one uh, becoming a roller coaster designer, which I know this might segue into your conversation about <laughs> our love for Cedar Point. <laughs> um, and then two, becoming um, becoming a musician. But yeah, I mean, I think like over overall as a kid, I was really I was really creative. I feel like I was always trying to build things. I was always drawing or writing music or singing or dressing up and yeah I think I just I, I loved being creative and I think I was I think I was a relatively like happy kid I would say and let's go into roller coasters because we both have a love for it. you to a degree I have not yet matched yet but we're talking about the video games where you corrected <laughs> did you go into real world using straws and tinker toys talk about how far down the rabbit hole did this roller coaster construction go? Oh, I went, <laughs> I went far down the rabbit hole. I at one point <laughs> had, yeah, I at one point had my, my, my entire, my family's entire basement just filled with, um, do you remember Connects? It was sort of like the competitor to Lego. Sure. Do you remember, yeah. do you remember like, right. yeah. So like they mm -hmm. had different Connects uh, play sets where you could put together, you know, different roller coasters or a Ferris wheel um, or all sorts of, like, amusement park rides. I literally created this, like, real-life amusement park in my parents' basement when I was younger. And, I, you know, I would kind of pretend like I was the owner and operator of it. I just sort of, like, built this whole fantasy around it. I even remember, that like, awesome. with, with my... Yeah, I even remember, like, with my Hot Wheels out on the front driveway, I would always, you know, I would take the chalk while everyone else was doing hopscotch. I would take the chalk and I would, like, you know, draw out a path of, 
this like imaginary roller coaster and then I would take my Hot Wheels as if, as if that was, you know, the, the, the coaster itself, like the, the, the car, um, and I would follow the, the course of that. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, I love that. Yeah. And when was your first experience to, to Cedar Point? When did you first go to Cedar Point? My first time at Cedar Point was right after Millennium Force opened. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know what Millennium Force is, it was like this. It was like the coaster of all coasters that debuted, you know, with the new Millennium uh, in 2000, in the year 2000. And it just like shattered like 10, 10 records or something crazy. It was the tallest, right. like the angle of steepest descent, the highest G-force, everything. And so I think I went, I dragged my, my dad with me about a year after that opened. Or you know what? No, I think that, I think uh, Dragster was open. So it would have been 2003. <laughs> that was the first year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, that, you know, since I think I've been back maybe like five times. You get a whole so. group of meet for gay days there. It's, it's absolutely amazing. It's so much fun. Yes, I would love that. That would be a blast. For sure. What about you? When was your first time going? Oh, I I moved here 17 years ago now, so it was right around that time, maybe uh, 2002 or three. So probably real close to the same time you were there. And I kind of remember the same okay. experiences. Then it was a lot more. Everything was wooden there at the time. They didn't start doing any of the steel ones back then until that millennial started and things. Um, there was a lot of wood roller coasters, which was a lot of fun because they creak, you know, the whole creaking sound and everything on it, <laughs> yes. which made them kind of yes. fun and exciting. I love that. Hey, you have, have you been in Steel um, Vengeance, the new one? No, I have not yet. Oh. I have not yet. Come I didn't on, go last year. I know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head out there. Last year, I did not go any place last year because I went to a, for a month in Palm Springs, and I went to Vegas for a month to visit people, and I just didn't make it to my own backyard for some reason. But this okay. Year, you, were living the, you were living the high life. <laughs> there you go. Exactly right. Now, I try to bring the show every summer for a month to Palm Springs and do live shows with all my uh, L.A. guests. So that's always kind of fun. And then my best oh, nice. friend and his okay. wife live in Vegas. And so that's always, have you been, do you go to the roller coaster in, in Vegas or the top of Stratosphere, that little roller coaster they had up there? Do you ever make it up there? Yeah. So I have been up there and I've been on the, um, I forget what it's called. It's sort of like the power tower equivalent. Like the, is it the big shot or something where like they, they, you know, they shoot you up and then you just come right back down at that tower um, like the very That's what they have the now. They used to have an actual roller coaster up there, which they took down and switched to that thing. But the roller coaster was kind of right. Fun. High roller, it used to be called. I never, I never, I never rode it. It was, it was wild. I'm not good with heights, but it was, it was good. I could do it in a roller coaster for some reason. It, it, it was kind of fun. Very, very cool. Do you have a what's your favorite and least favorite coasters of all the places you've been? Oh, jeez. I mean, I've been to quite a lot of parks. Like, when I was younger, I would. Like I literally would just drag my dad everywhere with like you know around the country <laughs> to the best to the best theme park. Cedar Point was that. one. Magic Mountain. Magic Mountain was one. Kind of near where you uh where you grew up. That's that's the that's yeah. the Six Flags that that services L A. Um, right. of course, uh, Great America here in Chicago. Great Adventure out in New York. But I would say my favorite. There's one called Maverick at Cedar Point that I would say is my favorite. Yeah, that's probably my favorite. Yeah. I like it. Uh, let's get into your music a bit. Talk about where your love for piano came from. You play beautifully, my friend. I mean, just amazing. Thank when you. did you start taking lessons, or and how much have you learned on your own? So I, I was pretty fortunate, and then my parents, my parents did a really good job at enrolling me in. Um, they, you know, they sort of had this philosophy like, let's get Sam and Kyle, my older brother, 
to just try a little bit of everything and see if something sticks, <laughs> which I kind of appreciate. <laughs> and let me tell you, there are a lot of things that did not stick. Most of you know, <laughs> most sports did not stick for me. Um, but piano, for whatever reason, it just, it, 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 it piano just stuck. I think um, my dad actually is pretty is pretty musical. He plays the guitar, um, and he actually, when he was younger, was in a um, he like moved to Nashville and had this like long ponytail and like did the whole band like you know band thing. Um, so I think maybe like you know there might have been a genetic like a genetic pass on there. They enrolled me when I was probably like five or six years old, and I think. I don't know, like any child, I was probably a bit hesitant at first. And then something just clicked and I got, not to toot my own, like, you know, seven-year-old horn, but I got really, really good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I started, yeah, and I started, um, you know, I just started winning all these, like, all these competitions. And then I got into into um, composing, actually. So my piano teachers would, like, submit, submit me to these different, like, uh, composition competitions. Um, a few of which actually, I think I, I think I was like, I was placed like first in like the entire Midwest region and like within top five in the country or something like that. That's amazing. Um, Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, granted, this was like a long time ago, <laughs> but yeah. And it just kind of stuck. I, I, I probably took lessons for only, you know, seven years or so um, in classical piano, but uh, now it's really just a hobby for me. And it's just sort of this like side of passion that I'm, that I've always just been pursuing. I think it's interesting for me because historically, um, we're really like kind of, kind of between like um, high school and college, I would say it was more of a private thing. Um, like it was more of this sort of like mental wellness. Like it was music therapy for me. Okay. You know, I, like my, my, my parents uh, separated back when I was, um, in like fifth grade and then my mom remarried when I was in middle school and then my dad remarried when I was in high school but the whole aftermath of that was just like so uh, yucky and icky and right. I don't know there was a lot of like psychological trauma there um, but sure. music was the one constant piano was the one constant so like for me it, it had always been the sort of place I would go to if I was in a low or even if I was in a high and now it's interesting because through social media I've had the ability you know, in recent times to share that with other people. Like I just put a, I just put like a little, a little EP out on Spotify and on Amazon and on iTunes <laughs> um, of just like some classical like compositions of mine that I've, I've put together just using like GarageBand, which is like probably the most basic program that there is. But, but it's yeah, so it's beautiful. Cool and like I said, I love that you dress up for, I love you put on the coat. And it's just for your videos, everything, and I, and I like that you you feel the part, and and it's pretty fun and awesome to watch. So you really, yeah, can get the yeah. love the love behind it, and I think that's, well, that's it's funny. It's, it's funny because I walk around this uh, around the the house like truly without without a shirt like all the time like like that's like <laughs> my that's my def, that's my default, and that's like just that was just normal growing up in my family enough people telling me like hey that's like a li- that's a little bit weird to like play play piano without a shirt on <laughs> so that's where i was like all right i'm gonna like I'll, I'll i'll get dressed up for this there is like a respect thing here let me put on a suit that's but weird. yeah it's been cool i mean oh, it's, it's nice that people have been so receptive to it i guess i didn't um you know i hadn't previously realized the power that music and i guess specifically my music can have for other people so Figured might might as well might as well be sharing it. And how does the composing come to you? Does it come pretty easy? Do you get like something caught in your head that you have to kind of play out and just kind of lead to another? Or 
how is how have you found composing for you? Oh, I'm loving these questions. <laughs> People don't ask me these things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I I think that it comes in a in a multitude of ways. Like for me, it most the most common ways way that it comes would literally just be through their trial and error and, and actually through like making mistakes. Like if I'm trying to play another song or something like that on the piano and I, you know, through a series of chord progressions, oftentimes I'll like kind of deviate and I'll sort of do this like improv thing and I'll, and I'll, I'll think like, geez, that was a really pretty riff or that was a really pretty melody. Let me, let me take it there. And it just sort of becomes right. this um, like iterative process, I guess. Yeah. Nice. I, 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 yeah. I don't know. I think it's, um, the best, and yeah, I guess like the 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 thing that I can say is that it. I guess it kind of starts with one thing. Like I might be inspired by a song, or be inspired by something, or honestly be just feeling a certain way, like a mood, and I'll sit down and just try and reflect that onto the keys as best as I can. And it doesn't always work, <laughs> but there are times that it does. And 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 usually when it does, what I'll do is I'll immediately take out my phone. Um, you know how you know how there's like the voice memo app in the phone. Yeah, exactly. You know how we, I love those. Yeah, mine. I make no mine problem is like, myself. <laughs> it's the best thing ever, right? I if you if you were to open mine right now, it would there's probably like a thousand or something like voice memos, and all of them are just like little oh, song ideas. Yeah, most of which don't actually come to fruition, but some do. <laughs> there you go. I, I like that. I, I I think that's a fantastic little way to keep your thoughts. I do it all the time. I do the same thing just for interviews. Every time I come across something, it's like, that's in fact how I think I, I reached out to you. It's like I was coming across something a couple months ago. It's like, Sam's got uh, doing videos down. Let's write this down in my little book. I got to reach out to him eventually. But I, I love that. I, like to, I do want to talk about it musically still, though. You, you claim that you're not a singer, and that's fine, but you've excelled at anything you put your mind to. Have you ever decided to really attempt singing and try to do a little more? Um, I would love more than anything to have, like, some incredible voice. <laughs> I just don't. I just don't think I have. I just don't think I have one. I mean, I, I I sing all the time. Like I I'm totally this like the classic shower singer. Just don't think it's that great. <laughs> I'm like I don't want to put it. I don't want to put it out there. I like because I think my piano's pretty. You know, I, I I feel confident in that, but my voice just. Uh. But maybe who knows? I mean, I um. I, I I was in choir back in high school. Choir choir honors choir. So I don't think it's like terrible terrible it's just it's just not where i'd like to be um, but i am working with a go. friend of mine who does who does have a really fabulous voice and he and i for the past like months now we've been sending in quarantine song ideas back and forth like i'll i'll write a song on the piano and be like hey this is what i think the melody should be and his voice is just like in absolutely stunning and then he'll send me his um, also using garage band he'll send me his voice layover to it uh, so that's been a fun oh that's project cool that yeah, I'm working on. Yeah, yeah. You have a very Harvey Firestone voice to me. I think not not as gravelly as his, but you have that kind of texture to it, which I love. So I just I think it's something you, you, <laughs> you should try sometime. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, you know, I, I, when I got back on YouTube, or when I got on YouTube, I guess for the really, yeah, kind of for the first time back in October, it was sort of this interesting experience for me because. You know, I've been on Instagram for a few years at this point, but Instagram's Instagram's sort of a strange place, right? I mean, like it's it's 
it's this place where everyone's only posting the highlights and everyone's only posting right. the best version of themselves. And, and I'm totally guilty of that, you know, where you post these, you know, curated photos and there's filters and like, you know, you, the angles are good and the lighting is great. And, you know, you're in some fabulous location or whatever, but YouTube's interesting because it kind of like gave me an opportunity to reveal like the personality behind all of that. And right. also, literally the voice behind that which ironically <laughs> enough I, I i just i didn't realize that like my my voice and the way that i sound is is a bit polarizing i mean i know i know you kind of uh alluded to it being like a nice like a nice sounding voice but there are other people who who don't think that like i that i have like a sort of like vocal like vocal fry kind of voice which it's just it, it, it's <laughs> interesting because it's something that you never think about and so you have like hundreds of comments like telling you like evaluating your voice you know do you ever find that right. happen to, to you with your show yeah because i don't i don't have I, I i say i have i have the face for radio it's why i use my voice and i don't have the best voice so i make two with what i have so i just have kind of fun with it well, i, like I don't voice. really mind you have a really nice that. conversational voice well thank you i think i have a i have a put someone at ease type of voice i i'm very comfortable you talking do. with people i love to make people feel comfortable and so that's my forte i'm able to do that i don't think it's the best sounding voice but i may but i enjoy speaking with people and I think it comes through so it creates a nice conversation that's what probably the biggest compliment I'll give myself but otherwise it's very hard yeah I I mean it's very it's very disarming and you're very eloquent in the way that you speak so um props to you you (laughs) I appreciate yeah well let's talk about this online presence for a bit because I did kind of look up some things just to give some stats out there you did your first Instagram post back in August 9th of 2014 since you've then you got five hundred and ninety nine have brought up it's been that long. Can you believe it? Wow. Four thousand no. four hundred and fifty four thousand followers. Um only fourteen hundred people that you follow and I'm not one of them yet, damn it. So we have to change that. But oh, that's okay. okay, let me go let me go uh, to YouTube. Right you started your, in October two thousand nineteen. It's left of straight. L E F T O F S C R H. But that's okay. Don't worry about it. I'm just kidding you. No, no, I got you, I got you. <laughs> Got you. Follow that. <laughs> YouTube, though, you started in October 2019, like you said. You've had 3 million views already and 91,000 subscribers. That's got to be kind of exciting, but it's also got to be a little pressure. How do you how do you handle the the pressure side of it? Do you feel like you have to put out content all the time? I mean, now it's I'm sure it's a job, a full-time job. How are you able to kind of turn that into a business? You've been a very successful business person in the past. Do you use that kind of acumen towards this, or how do you see it right now? Yeah, I mean, of course, there's there's a bit of, like, digital marketing and a bit of strategy involved and, you know, remaining very consistent in, in terms of the types of posts um, and also in terms of the, um, the cadence at which you're posting. Like that's that's definitely something that you know I, I didn't necessarily realize that when I first started out, but now that I'm now that I'm taking it a lot more seriously, it's it's something that I've had to kind of embrace is that there is not 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 like a formula, but there's definitely you know there's definitely a way to become a little bit more systematic about it. Um, right. I think I think there are the kind of two types of people in the world, right? Like there are people who you know, if they are in a really great mood, they want to go and be social and they want to put themselves out into the world and they want to interact with other people. And then there are those that kind of see social, you know, socializing almost as like a, 
um, sort of like a vice, I guess. Like if you're if you're in a bad state, but that's right. kind of the second right. category of people. I, I I think that I fall in the first category. Like if I'm in a really great mood, like that's when you'll see me posting all the time, and it's just easier to you know face the world and to and to be social and to interact and and then you know if I if I have like you know, a, a few days where I'm sort of in a lull, like maybe I'm, you know, I'm probably sitting at my piano and I'm like going through something. <laughs> um, but it's <laughs> like anything, it's like anything. I think there are, there are ups and downs. What I'm trying, I mean, what I've tried to do is just kind of be like as the word authentic is a weird word. Um, but I guess just be as like true to myself as I, as I can. And the sort of stuff that I, that I put up and again, my stuff isn't like perfect or anything, but I think like in a world of like very heavily curated um, content, I think it's just like, if I could be uh, like a breath of fresh air and just be, you know, inject a sense of positivity and just a bit of like authenticity, I guess. And like kind of encouraging other people to, 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 do, the, to do the same, you know, live their truth and explore what they're passionate about. Then that, that makes me happy. Right. And I agree 100%. Like I, I told you off air before we were talking, feel the things like I, I followed you on Instagram for a long time. That That's one thing. As you said, that's a lot of curated stuff for everybody. Um, even people are just doing it for the heck of it are doing their best lives on Instagram. But once you get to the yeah. YouTube um, and you're actually uh, coming across, you can tell there's a lot of YouTubers out there and you can tell the ones that are doing it to kind of generate a reaction and those that are trying to do themselves, be themselves and still have a positive yeah. spin on something, but just to live their life. I mean, your Q and A with your mom was amazing. Your coming out story was amazing. <laughs> and it's not like it's put out just to do something because everyone's done a, a, a coming out story. It's because you're trying to share your life story. And I think those are the ones that ring true most with people and why I think you've created such a quick, fan following on that because you are true to yourself i I just think it's the way to be there's there's enough fake out there in the world and i think especially when we come through this corona thing where there's a lot of content other people looking at a lot of different things i think the true authenticity if you want to use that word or the realness of the person's coming through and you do that in spades my friend it's very good (laughs) thank you Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. On the downside of it, how are you, how are, how are you on the comments and everything? I mean, a lot of people use it for their self worth. How many how many likes does this have? How many followers do I have of this? Are you able to kind of keep out of that trap? I'm sure everyone has to do it to some degree. Just it's just a natural thing trying to see how yeah. you are. But are you able to not go down a rabbit hole that way? And if you see a lot of people just see only the bad comments and forget the 400 great ones afterwards. Where are you at? In that yeah, scenario? that's a, that's a really good question. I mean, I would be lying if I said that I was completely unfazed by, by, you know, a, a mean comment. Right. I think that that's, it's, it's sort of human nature. It's like, to your point, you know, sure. you could have like a hundred really nice comments, like, Hey, you're amazing. You're great. Like you're killing it. And then there's that one negative one. Um, that just kind of, it just kind of sticks with you. So yeah, I think, I think I'm able to, I'm really lucky because I have a lot of, um, I have like a lot of, like I really cherish my, my friendships and I have some really, really deep um, relationships with, you know, like my mom, for example, and with um, like some of my, some of my closest friends, like we've been friends literally since, I don't know, like kindergarten, <laughs> like a long, long, long nice. time. We, nice. Yeah. Nice. We just like kind of all, all grew up together. Um, so I think that kind of like has kept me grounded and 
you know, every once in a while, like I'll have like a little, I'll have a little freak out moment and be like, geez, like, you know, this person said this about me. Like, do you guys, is that true? Like, do you, I mean, because there's also a, an element of like, well, maybe I should be, I mean, I don't want to be completely deaf to like, to, to criticism because, you know, you can learn from that. So, sure. um, yeah. of course, you know, I'll pick up the phone and I'll call, like, my girlfriend or something or, or like, my friend Jake, and I'll be like, oh, like, shoot, what do you think? And and they <laughs> – uh, <laughs> and, and, and for the most part, I think that they just – like, having those close relationships by your side just kind of get you through those, those, those icky times. And I think you just kind of have to remember, like, if people are leaving, you know, mean comments or say something mean about you, you have to kind of think about what the intention behind it was. Because I think that I watched this interview of Oprah. I, I love Oprah. And she said something along these lines. Of course, I'm going to butcher it. But um, something along the lines of, you know, if somebody, if somebody, like there are a lot of people in this world that will try to tear you down and they'll try and bring you down as a means of making themselves feel better. And I think that it's just having that, that like that understanding that oftentimes, like, if that was the intent is like, hey, this is just a way for them to feel better about themselves. I can't be mad about that. Like, sure, like, if that's your way, like, it's a weird way, but like, it's fine. Like, <laughs> right. go, go, go ahead, go ahead. Like, if that makes you feel better. So, again, I think it just kind of, like, boils down to the intention of it. Whereas if somebody, like, if a friend of mine or if someone I respect is writing me with something, you know, like a bit of harsh criticism, I might listen a little bit more closely because I think, you know, their intention might be a bit different. And let's talk so it's long about, rambling I don't, response. <laughs> no, that was a great response, actually. And I want to talk about, we're not going to talk about your coming out process because, like I said, you did an amazing video. You had Mama Christian going her perspective. I think that's amazing. People need to go watch that if they haven't yet. But talk about coming out um, in the LGBT. How have you felt coming out in the LGBT community as a whole? Does that bring – I mean, we love to eat our own in that. You find that the gays sometimes are a little harsher criticism. Is it a little tougher to go out? Are the people expecting more? Or how have you kind of dealt with that part of it? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say for the most part, I have a pretty favorable um, view and, like, relationship to the LGBTQ community. I was just talking to my friend about this. I feel like it's, it makes me sad when I hear these comments all the time. You know, geez, like, our community is so toxic. There's so many, there's so many bad things about it. I wish I, you know, I wish I wasn't a part of it. Like, there's, there's you know, you hear a lot of rhetoric around that. Um, and that makes me right. sad because I think that there's a lot of things to celebrate about our community. I think that it's, um, I mean, personally, I think that it's afforded, I think it's afforded me a lot. I think that um, I'm just grateful to even have like, uh, you know, a, a community like that to even be a part of. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I, 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 I don't view it in that sort of like ne- negative way. I, well, what I will say is I, I think that you're correct. And that sometimes uh, gays can be a little bit harsher on other gays. Um, and I don't right. exactly know. I, I don't exactly know why that is. But, you know, I also have a lot of really great girlfriends, too. <laughs> I feel like my. There you I go. Like, yeah. And, I, and yeah, I'm not putting down the community. I think our community is amazing. I was just a part of an event last week um, here in Ohio for West Hollywood where a lot of the bartenders raised money for each other. And I think we raised $22,000 in 14 days for all the out-of-work bartenders, servers, and entertainers in West Hollywood. Um, That's amazing. I think our community is really strong in doing a lot of things. I was just kind of talking in the point of when there is 
negative criticism, we tend to get it more from our community than other people. It'll usually come from... Yeah, why do you think... Why, why is that? What's your take on that? I just think it's very hard. Depends on where they're coming from. A lot of people have a hard time coming out. And if you're... If it depends on your background and your story. If you had a very accepting and uh, easier time coming out, if you're able to accept yourself and didn't give a flying heck what anyone else thought, I think it's a little yeah. different than if you had a really harsh time and you see someone that you think maybe had it all or had an easy time of it. There's maybe a little jealousy yeah. or res- not maybe jealousy, maybe resentment's a better word, or maybe sadness that it wasn't that way for yourself. So I think that could be a little yeah. part of it. I don't know. I think there's a lot and of I, and, 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 and it kind of goes back to what I was saying. I think that, like, understanding that that is – that's the experience that they've had and that's sort of, like, the intention behind that, like, you know, that negativity. For some reason, it just – for me, it makes it more – it makes it easier to digest, I guess. Um, I will right. say this. Recently, with the um, – with, like, the advent of my, of my new website um, where I talk about, you know, how – uh, you know, I, I was, I was kind of like stuck in like my corporate job. Um, and this is like a whole nother story, but just like the abridged version, I was, you know, I was kind of stuck in my, my corporate job. It was the job that I'd worked so hard for, um, all throughout college. And two years in, I was living in New York and I just was like, it, I, it just wasn't me. Like it just wasn't clicking. Like I was, I was, I was doing all right at it. Like my clients liked me and, um, I got along with my, my teammates. It just, it just like wasn't me. I think like growing up like a like a very creative kid, as we talked about earlier. Right. I just I was like, wait, what am I doing? I'm literally like living behind these Excel spreadsheets like day in and day out. Like, oh my, like this can't be the rest of my life. So, anyways, I like kind of took this like crazy leap of faith and I moved to um, to South America uh, back in 2017. Uh, so I was living in I lived in uh, in Buenos Aires for about a year. Um, I found work at this at this tech company and then I moved to to Medellin, Colombia for about another year. But I but I did it and I and I and I and I kinda of talk about that on my website and I posted a few um, like a few like promo posts basically for for the website and just kind of sharing that, you know, my my experience of what living living a more truthful and like more authentic life I guess means and like kind of what right. um what it means to explore my passions. And I and I will say I did have some some uh, pushback of people being like, oh, geez, that's like, you know, that's privilege at its finest, like, being able, you know, flying to, um, being able to fly to South America. And I'm like, I'm not going to, like, fight, but, like, I, I mean, I had no money. <laughs> like, I had right, to, sure. Like, I, I sacrificed uh, a lot. And I was living with, like, six other people in, like, a non-air-conditioned apartment. I was, you know, earning probably the equivalent of like $12,000 a year um, for two years to have, to have that experience. But you know what? I mean, also like it's, it kind of goes back to the idea of like, you don't, you don't showcase, you, I know I'm not putting my worst feet forward, right? Like I'm, 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 I'm telling the story. Um, and of course I'm, I'm going to kind of hold, hold back and like all the, like the icky boring parts. Um, but yeah, that was, that was definitely a moment where I was like, geez, like, I'm so surprised that people are, you know, that, that there were certain people that were a little bit, um, judging towards that, but that's all right. No, I understand. I'm so mad we're running out of time because there's, I wanted to get to the website and I definitely wanted to get to the fitness videos and we have about, oh my gosh, we're already at 15 minutes. (laughs) I know it's like, it's horrible. I I talk too much and and I'm too interested. I'm sorry. We're going to do a part two. You're like my, uh. You're, you're Benji Schwimmer. My buddy Benji Schwimmer's a friend now was on So You Think You Can Dance. Yeah. And I'm a huge 
dance fan. And we did a interview on the 4th of July, pre-tape interview, two years ago. And I thought, okay, well, it's 4th of July. We'll do a quick half-hour interview. We talked for two hours. I had to do a two-part interview for him. It was just – it was crazy. But you're the kind of person that is very comfortable uh, to speak with, and I appreciate your time. But we'll wrap this up real quick here because we're going to run out yeah, of yeah. Tape time. <laughs> um, let's talk about the fitness videos. I think that – the thing I like about them the most is I think there's a lot of different – levels that people are showing right now on their streams and their zooms and you're doing things very accessible and very um very user-friendly i'll say it talk about what goals are how have you been um how fitness has played an important part in your life i know you talk about your videos you grew up in a healthy family but talk about what that means to you and why you like to share that with others yeah i mean i think fitness kind of means something different to everyone right like for me, it happens to be, um, well, not anymore, <laughs> but it happened to, me, to mean, you know, spending a lot of time in the gym and um, I was definitely focused on, on, on my body. I think that as I've gotten, as I've gotten older, um, I've come to con- have a different relationship with fitness and more specifically wellness. Um, so I think previously I was, you know, like I would, I, I was the type that would eat like three protein bars a day. I'd wake up in the morning and have like, you know, five <laughs> eggs and then like the chicken on, right. chicken, on chicken dinner. <laughs> um, just trying to kind of like combat of like a pretty fast, you know, like early twenties metabolism to, to get bigger. And now I'm kind of at a place and I'm actually kind of, again, like a silver lining to, to everything that's happening currently with the quarantine is I feel like given me this chance to focus more on just having like a healthy body and not necessarily like how not focusing on how it looks but more just like an like that internal health um so a lot more diet related a lot more mental health related so i would say that like my journey with fitness has definitely evolved um i think per your question my my intent with the videos is is not to be like, hey, I'm some expert. Like, look at me, do, like do these routines because I'm like, by I'm not an expert at all. Um, like, I don't have, you know, I did grow up in like a very, I grew up with a with a very fitness oriented, very athletic older brother. Like the, the sort of like classic jock older brother. Kyle, if you're listening, I love you, um, but you're a jock. <laughs> um, and <laughs> um, so that just kind of got instilled in me, um, but. Aside from that, I don't have, like, a personal training background or anything. So I think that, like, if I can just – I mean, my hope is that those videos are sort of, like, you know, from one average dude to the next. Like, you know, I'm doing it. You, hopefully you can do it too, you know. Yeah, basically that. Very what do you cool. think well, of them? Did you, have, you, have, you, have you followed any? I have followed them. I do. I, I've not – I've never been the most fit person in the world, but I've been working on it for the last two years now. And, like nice. I said, I have, I have different – level of fitness friends i have two friends in new york one is an equinox trainer that i won't do because he kicks everyone's butt and i can't do that and then i have a friend a gymnastics guy that does these things against the wall on the ground that i can never put my body in those positions but i like yours i can do some of yours and i like the little okay, plank good. positions and stuff and i'm learning well there's a lot so there's really story eight many things, so yeah exactly Thank you. I, I enjoy it. Like I said, they're very accessible. Now, it's funny you talk about your brother. I want to ask about that for two seconds. What does he think of all this? You've been putting yourself out there now, like I said, since 2014. But in a lot of different times throughout, I've seen that you really look up to your brother and talk about kind of looking up to him in school, looking up to him in business. How How is your guys' relationship, and how do you think of him, and how does he think of all this stuff going on in your life now? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, you're right. I, I, I certainly have um, viewed him as such a role model in my life, both personally and professionally. So, I mean, even down to, like, we, we, we studied the very same thing in, in college. We went to the same college, and then, you know, he went on to work for a company um, called Deloitte, and I went to work on work at PwC, which is like their direct competitor. <laughs> so it was like a very similar trajectory. <laughs> so I think that me, you know, me, me moving to South America was also like that sort of like, um, not liberating, but it was also like, that was really like the diet, the, the clear divergence. Like, okay, we're going to have very different lives at this point. And yeah, I mean, he, he's recently married. Um, he's considering moving, uh, you know, I'm like, I love my parents and I'm so happy that I've, been able to reconnect with them a little bit, but I'm 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 very ready to move back downtown. <laughs> so like, right. <laughs> in the next, if, if, if this if this quarantine stuff wasn't happening, I'd I'd be down there um, already probably. But um, and he's the opposite. Like he's he's ready to come back to the to the burbs, and you know he'll probably have a, a a kid in the next few years. And for me, that's like oh my gosh, I don't even know. That's like twenty years <laughs> out of life. But he's so supportive overall. Like I really couldn't ask for a a better like you know big bro um and it, and, and it's funny because we are we are we are opposite in so many ways like he really was i was like the kind of nerdy like you know like theater like piano kid and he was like this jock like you know straight dude um and we were just you know we just, we're, we're we're very different but i think as we've gotten older we've come to realize like at the end of the day i mean unfortunately once our parents pass on knock on wood that doesn't happen anytime soon um it's he and i and that's and that's and that's kind of it you know we have a small family so i'm grateful for him all right well i gotta tell you sam christian it's been amazing to have you on the show please let everyone know where they can follow you and then talk about this new website just briefly what your goals are for it and where they can find that yeah so my, my my new website i made it um in conjunction with my friend ryan uh really the goal was was sort of twofold one to create a sort of like repository for um like all of my content and to sort of like tie tie my different like categories together of fitness wellness music and travel um in one centralized place so it kind of like helps like you know create that like cohesive um i guess brand you could say like that cohesive like message what i really want the message to be is and 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 hopefully in sharing my journey it, it it inspires others to to feel this and to hopefully live life like this, like I'm trying to do, I'm not, not there yet. Um, but just to, you know, explore your passions and, and, and live a life that's, that feels more truthful to you. So, uh, you know, quieting any sort of external noise or, or influence that, that might get, get in the way of that. Um, so obviously you can relate that to, um, you know, coming out, you can relate it to, um, you know, your professional career, their, you know, your social life. There are a lot of things that ways to, to interpret that. So that's one thing. And then secondly, I wanted to have a place, have like a sort of two-way dialogue with people that are a part of like this, you know, now community. So there, if, if, if you go to the website, there's a, there's a blog space where you can actually um, go and type in and, and share your journey with me because that, you know, kind of keeps me motivated and keeps me and others hopefully in, in, inspired as well. So that was right. really that was really the goal of it, yeah. And then you can also find me on 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 YouTube, just my first dot dot last name or no first and last name Sam Cushing, and then Instagram is Sam dot Cushing. Yeah. Very very good. Well, my friend, I just am a huge admirer of you. I want you to keep making beautiful music and great content out there. Thank you for sharing your life and making it a positive 
upgoing experience for everyone and keeping your head about you while you're doing it. It's been an absolute joy to talk to you, my friend. Such a joy. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for having me on. Anytime. We'll have to have you back real soon. We're going to follow the journey. Keep looking out for Sam's videos. Be sure to check out the new website and share your journey with Sam. Um, amazing Q&A videos and all sorts of fun content on all of his platforms there. Be sure to watch that. We're going to have a very special five questions with Sam, so look for that. That a little fun and silliness later on, some bonus content. But we're going to go ahead and play out now with some music from Sam. This is some amazing piano playing for a song you've called Pensive. Tell me about where this came from. Yeah, so that's a song that I wrote. Um, I actually wrote it a few years back, and I just I, I finally got around to, to like, professionally recording it again it was just kind of one of those things that i i it started out with just the the first two chords that you hear that progression it was just like there was something really kind of like magical about it um and it i just kind of repeated it and repeated it over and over on my my yamaha keyboard i kind of put this like funky rhythm to it which is a rhythm i hadn't really um worked with before and yeah and that just kind of like it just kind of was birthed from there that was like the genesis of it all so I hope I hope they enjoy it. All right, guys. This is Sam Cushing with Pensive. Stay in the line for me, Sam. You'll see the Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. We'll be back on the other side of the song.
righty, guys. We are back. My next guest is an amazing ally to the LGBTQ community whose new documentary is currently one of the most popular and trending on Netflix. The doc, which Ryan Murphy from Glee fame and American Horror Story and so many other things helped produce, tells the story of her family's business. It just happens to be a bookstore that catered to our LGBTQ community and one of the most iconic landmarks of West Hollywood, especially back in my day. And did I happen to mention that her parents are a straight couple that met at a Jewish singles get-together? If that hasn't got you intrigued, the rest of the story surely will. So please welcome to Left to Straight Show for the very first time, Miss Rachel Mason. Rachel, how you doing? Hi, I'm so good. Thank you so much for appreciating this movie. It really, really, really means a lot to me. Well, it is a fantastic documentary. That was uh, my entry into the um, LGBT world. I was born and raised in West Covina, California, and uh, I didn't know what it was like to be gay and out in West Covina. So it was only Mm. a 35-minute ride, 45-minute ride to West Hollywood. And uh, the Circle of Books was one of my first times ever getting a magazine and a movie. So uh, your history is my history, darling. I got to tell you. (laughs) No, you know, it means a lot to me to hear that because those are the, you know, people who can share this story the most and say why it mattered so much. You know, um, I really appreciate you telling me that. And that's why I made this movie. Exactly that reason. (laughs) It's an amazing story. It's going to resonate with so many people. And as I said, it's only been out on Netflix a couple of days, and it's already in the trending topic and in the most popular. Um, it's got to be a little sucky, though. We're in the middle of quarantine 2020 here, corona quarantine, and this was released two days ago. How are you holding up? Is everyone feeling good, doing fine, mom and dad good? Oh, yeah. No, it's just, you know, I, I I feel heartbroken for the people, A, who are just actually suffering and losing their loved ones. And I also feel sad for the films that were going to hit the festival circuit that can't. And, um, you know, when I look back at what we had as our good fortune, I almost feel like gay angels are watching over this movie because it's unbelievable. You know, the fact that all of the people in the gay universe who can be watching the movie are at home right now and and not going out clubbing or doing anything else that's fun. They're sitting at home. It's part of the reason why Circus of Books is trending. I'm not at all surprised because, you know, the film was a really, really, really big, um, just a big film in the LGBT community because the store meant a lot. And, you know, people are showing their support right now in just a beautiful, powerful way. And I actually feel like it's bringing the community together in a way that is very magical because, you know, I think in a way before this was happening, I actually saw a lot of the opposite. I saw a lot of division in the LGBT community, which is so crazy. You know, when you think of how tiny we still are as a minority, how many rules are still, you're in Ohio for goodness sakes. I need to tell you that I'm sure it's not an entirely gay-friendly place out there, right? It's gotten better, but, yeah, there's still pockets. I mean, it's like you said, I'm luckily within an hour's drive each of Pittsburgh and Cleveland to kind of um, get into a a little more friendlier city. But you're right, Northeast Ohio, it's slowly opening up, but it's, it's, it's still tough out there. Right. And so I just think 
you know, for people, because the reason I say this is because I'm in the spoiled brat land of West Hollywood and L.A. And, <laughs> you know, before that I was in New York. And I really have to say thank you for being a holdout in Northeast Ohio. Um, you know, people forget where I'm from that you can't just walk down the street holding hands with your leather daddy um, everywhere and, you know, not be harassed. You know, yes, you can exactly. do that here in parts of L.A., not all of L.A., but, um, you know, we forget. And then the community fights each other. You know, I see incredible fighting in the trans community right now um, because my lover is Buck Angel. And, you know, um, people that simply know and admire his work and feel proud of what he did have nothing but kind words for him. But you would be amazed at the people in the trans community who simply want to take him down. <laughs> it's like, wow, this is what I see right now. And it's it's sickening to me because it's a um it's exactly what the the movie is here to heal i think so perhaps it is really truly gay angels looking out for this film and saying stop quibbling you guys there's uh, a reason that we all need to come together and teach the world something there you go well said well despite your mother's constant misgivings while you were filming this did you know this project was going to resonate so much and when you made decided to make the film did not. Nope. I thought the people that would love it would be my community. I thought it would be us, <laughs> LGBT people who would be <laughs> like, yeah, I knew that store. Amazing. How cool. That's what I was hoping for. I had very, now that I look back on it, I had very modest ambitions and I would have been totally fine if it went through the Outfest, frame line, all the cool small LGBT film festivals, if it maybe appeared right. in some classes on gender studies, like Honestly, that was my goal. I wanted it to be for the history books for us. For it to be something that is wider than that is so unbelievable. I, I'm just catching up to the reality of that because it's making me realize our culture is at a place where we can absorb gay history in all its forms and, and see gay porn as something other than the scary underground gross thing that supposedly was gross that all of society condemned, which is partially because I think I had my mom doing that exact thing. And that's what highlighting right. it in that movie reveals to everybody. You know, that I have the central matriarch of this film being that person who is homophobic, you know, uh, really can shed light on that for all the other people who are struggling in the world to accept, you know, the LGBT population. Well said. I think this is going to be an amazing ride for you. Before we delve into the documentary too closely here, let's talk a little bit about um, pre-getting outed about the bookstore from one of your gay friends. What kind of a kid were you growing up, and what was kind of this kind of bliss of ignorance that you had when you were actually more in tune with your parents than you knew at the time? Well, you know, um, I just really, um, when I was a teenager, I was – absorbed into gay culture. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And it could be partially that I am LGBT myself. I've dated women. I'm bisexual. You could say I'm pansexual because I also am with a trans guy. But I just, I, I also was in love with gay men. All of my friends, I just, there's something specific about gay men, you know. And I think early on I knew them from the store as a kid. And I just thought they were fabulous, fantastic people. Like you see Alaska Thunderfuck from RuPaul's Drag Race was a clerk in the store. Well, when right. I was a kid, there were tons of guys like him who were clerks in the store, you know. 
witty, <laughs> charming, funny, fabulous, queer, you know, and I loved them. And I didn't know that that was gay. I didn't know that was the gay accent. I just thought they were the coolest people ever, and I wanted to be friends with them. But then they started dying, and I would say, well, who, hey, what happened to this guy? And my mom would just be very matter-of-fact about it and say, well, you know what, he died last week. And then, oh, what about that guy? Oh, yeah, he died too, you know, and it was something I only thought about later because as a kid you also don't you don't absorb that much death in a way that I think you can process right. as an adult. It's I, I think also you go into a different type of shock state when you're processing it as an adult that I learned from my friends later. Wow. All my friends died. You know, when you hear Alexei Romanov say that, that's what sort of my reckoning was and that's why this film was important for me to make because those eventually did become my best friends in the world. I, I'm surrounded by gay men. I love gay men so much. And I, you know, I feel like this film is actually an homage and a tribute to gay male culture in a very specific way that was in the store. And the like the beauty and allure and fantastic, you know, codes of all kinds of things that were in that store. And then when the store was closing, I just saw it disappear. And you know, I guess it's a strange thing. Here I am, a cisgendered woman being at the center <laughs> of this effort to preserve gay porn, but I feel very wedded to it. And I feel, and I think there's actually a lot of women um, and other just people that love it too. It had its own beauty, you know, so that, that was my perspective. Exactly. Well, good on you for doing it. I mean, and speaking of, I mean, going through the AIDS crisis, everything back then, were you aware, I mean, there's some really touching moments of your dad kind of reaching out to employees and things like that. Were you aware of your parents' kind of um, support in that area back at the time? You know, I wasn't. I actually thought my parents were tedious and boring, and they were telling me that I needed <laughs> to finish my homework. And, <laughs> you know, I saw them as parental. And then when my cool high school friends were like, oh, my God, that is the best store ever. We're totally going there on the weekend. And then I would end up going there with my friends. It would be funny because I'd walk in and the clerks would know me and I'd be like, hi, you know, and they'd totally be like just laughing. It was like this inside. It was almost like being a, a mafia kid or something like I'm on the inside of something really like crazy, <laughs> you know. And, um, you know, so it was cool for me but that's what I have to say I was in the queer scene and unlike my brother Josh this is what came to a head in the film is that he was not he was not and he still right. is not part of the counterculture you know and in the movie you see him say well Rachel your world was too gay I had to come to terms right. with that Josh is just a regular guy and in fact you know all there is to love about drag culture queerdom leather daddies that's a small part of what it is to be gay. And it also is just to be a guy who likes other guys. And that was my brother. And I, you know, I ended up realizing that here I was part of this maybe larger effort that kept him very closeted and very much um, unable to come out because here I was like prancing around with people that were just so crazy looking and, you know, free. And that wasn't right. the kind of person he was. And I think it was an important thing to show in the film that, you know, because um, I think a lot of people do see that. That's the loudest element in the gay community. And it's actually not the majority. The majority are people that have their heads down and just want to live their lives. They want to have a job. They want right. to go about their business. <laughs> and so, you know, a lot of people, when they say, well, 
oh, yeah, those gays, they're so crazy. You know, they see them running around in the street without their clothes on. You know, that's actually not the majority. And I think it, this film, if there's anything I can do to, you know, highlight that, it comes a bit from my own guilt of being recognizing, like, oh, yeah, I think I didn't make any space for Josh because I was, a you know, wild coming out in the freedom of my – freak show world um, in high school and I was very self-absorbed and self-centered and you know only thought artists were the people that mattered and um, that's where being a grown-up now is cool <laughs> I can, yeah, I can go, go back and do what my mom said you think you know what you're think, doing but you're wrong <laughs> right well it's a beautiful moment and Josh comes about as uh, comes across as so real so um soft, not in the bad way, but soft in the good way of really being introspective about his journey. And you can see where you finally start to realize that and you tear up a little bit in the film there as you start to see where his journey and yours kind of parted and intersected. So it was a beautiful part of the film. I really loved it, Rachel. Thank you. You know, people keep telling me that they relate to that. And, you know, I think also people have told me that they see their siblings in that story. And I think there's something to be said for when your parents are not woke enough to figure out who you are. If you are lucky enough, as me and Josh are, to have each other, you know, it's a very p profound thing. And Luckily, my mom came around, but there's been plenty of people who have told me, you know, my mother never came around and she's devout Catholic or she's a evangelical. But you know what? my sister was there for me and my brother was there for me. Somebody else was there. And I, right. I think that that's part of um, that element in the film. And I, I guess it might be one of the first films to ever really expose that type of, um, you know, dynamic. And I feel really proud of that. And it wasn't what I set out to do when I met, you know, set out to make a film about gay porn history and why, it, why that mattered. <laughs> Well, it, it does come across. So we're going to go back a little more to Josh's process and your mom's in a bit. But let's let's concentrate on your, your mom and dad for a second. Barry and Karen uh, Mason, they married in seven months. I think that's amazing. Karen was a journalist in my neck of the woods here down in Cincinnati area mm -hmm. before she moved out to L.A. Um, your dad was in movies and television, and I geek out over 2001 Space Odyssey and mm -hmm. Star Trek actually invented something for a dialysis machine, but insurance of all things kept that from moving on. Talk about how this came about. They were one of the biggest distributors of Larry Flint's work. That was amazing. Talk about that. Well, you know, you just said it. <laughs> and um, I just think that, you know, it, their story – is a mixture of things. It's like a mix of what LA was like in the seventies, which was a place for Mavericks. And in fact, Larry Flint came from Ohio. A lot of stuff came out of Ohio, interestingly enough, including my mom, you know, she started her journalism career out there and interviewed him in Ohio. And you see Simon Lease, who was a well-known uh, district attorney in Ohio that my mom actually interviewed as well. She got kicked out of his office. She told me later, and that's not in the film, but you know, <laughs> It's weird. Sometimes you realize, for some reason, I was um, just in the last couple of weeks realizing all this crazy stuff came out of Florida, like the Tiger King and another movie I was watching. And, and now I can right, say, wow, right. things are something, a lot of stuff for Circus of Books comes, connects back to Ohio for some reason. So it's cool that you know and get it and you're there. But, you know, Cincinnati, um, I, from at least back then, was a kind of conservative place, right? 
Um, very much know, so. Yeah, uh, that's still the southern part of Ohio is still very Republican mm, and conservative. Right. I'm in the northeast section, which is a lot more Democratic. We have the top two Democratic counties in of the 88 here in Ohio. But you're right, back then was very conservative, and it's still pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's where well, your John so Boehner's and your uh, mm-hmm. uh, oh, the guy from OSU that I I don't like at all, but uh, Jim Jim Jordan are from that area um, down the southern wow. part of Ohio. So it's yeah, it's interesting very- how yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing is that you you also have the Jerry Springers of the world. You know, my mom interviewed Jerry Springer, right. and he was all set to be a very powerful politician. So, you know, I think to get back to what you were asking, you know, I think in a way there are these maverick people who seem to come out of Ohio like Larry Flint, but maybe it breeds it because there's this, you know, indoctrinated Republican energy, you know, that Simon Lee's character who says, you know, pornography is, I'm firmly convinced that pornography def- destroys the family. And I, I juxtaposed him with these pictures of my happy childhood family because you know, no, actually, it's Republicans like you that are trying to destroy families that happen to be in the porn business and are doing a pretty good job here. of raising their parents. You know, had 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 those laws that they were trying to get into effect come into existence, you know, think of all the gay parents who are doing a good job, you know, not making their presence known. Uh, they wouldn't have their kids right now. Think of all the parents like mine who happen to be in the adult business going to jail. I mean, you want to talk about destroying the family? I mean, it really yeah. – I, I always wonder when the pot, pot calls the kettle black, which are you hiding? Why do you have to go out after gay mm. people? Is it that right. you're not dealing with your own feelings in some way? Maybe you're attracted to gay men, but you're too repressed. I mean, God, I look at him and I'm like – this man is such a closet case. It's obvious, you know, his, we're, it's just so, it's just so obvious to me, um, you know, so anyways, but that's me on a, not answering your question and just ranting. <laughs> no, I like it. And and I want to talk, get back into the business acumen of your parents, because like I said, your dad was an inventor and was just very forward thinking uh, your mom was really the disciplinarian and business uh persona side of this entire thing they took over this business from a former coke head which i think is great when they bought the (laughs) building back in 82 and they just really saw i think your dad saw it first just as a way to make money because he was looking for ways to help support his family but your mom really had the business acumen to realize i don't pay attention to what we're selling but i understand the business part of it and this is something that is a big business here in the early 80s, right? Oh, yeah. Now it was a really, um, you know, it was a dangerous business in a way to be in because I think in order to get into this business, you had to be somebody that probably was on the edge, you know, a little bit, and it could be in your own personal life or it could be in the world itself. And I think that, um, you know, the people that rolled in that business were a lot more edgy than my parents. So, Ironically, this was sort of a sideline for them that became their front and center stage thing. And I think because they were not edgy people, they were not involved in drugs, they were so able to do this because of that. They were so straight-laced that they actually kept them, you know, they kept their, you know, books in order. I mean, very simple things like that (laughs) are are their success. You know, people are like, how are they? I mean, truthfully, they were great opportunists, you know, which is what any uh, good capitalist, industrial person working you know is if if the economy doesn't you know fall to pieces on you like what we have right now and you end up in you know a situation where 
you get one opportunity after another. As long as you're open-minded, I think that's where someone like Larry Flint came in. He also was open-minded. Right. When he was presented with Blue Boy, you know, it, what I was so happy to do in this film was expose how also Larry Flint was a early champion, not because he wanted to, you know, wave the rainbow flag, but because he said, is there a market for this? Okay, cool. I'll get it. <laughs> that was it. Right. There was exactly. no judgment. Yeah, there was no judgment placed on it. And, you know, I really am always amazed when people judge the gay community. It's like, why are you judging these people? What did they do to actually uh, make you want to judge them? It's it's so – it's like, why are you judging kangaroos? You think they're evil? They're just kangaroos, you know? Like, I find it right. so – that's what I mean. It's always so suspicious if you're going to start judging this community. What does it say about you? And I, you know, and I found that if if you are open-minded and you are not judging it when all society is judging this group of people, that also in return to me was a very powerful thing. And it showed me, wow, good for Larry Flint. You know, a lot of people like feminists say, well, he's a disgusting woman hater and look at he's shoved a woman in the meat grinder. And I have to say, well, I first off find a lot of those things ironic. Secondly, I have to say, men consume images of women and women can be sexual and they can, you know, he also showed women with hairy bushes, you know. He was doing stuff that was also not part of just the simple mainstream idea right. of what women should look like. And he was being, you know, more gnarly. He was totally being more sexual. And I think that there's nothing wrong with that. And if anything, there's a market for it. So grow up and recognize that people are consuming it and just be aware of that. You know, if you're going to try to shut something down, it's going to leak out in some other way. And it's gonna, that's where the dark edges of stuff is going to happen. And, and like you say, it's business acumen. I love it. I mean, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, in the documentary, is your mom taking you to the buyer's convention there and saying, well, I don't really look at it. I just kind of glance at it. I know if it's going to sell or not. I kind of see different <laughs> side eye there. And just amazing knowing she has no judgment on who uses it, on the community that she serves. The ju- she's there for the business. She cares about the community. But it's not her, her mm-hmm. sole focus, and it's just kind of great how she's able to walk that line in her head um, until things come mm-hmm. to a head, which we'll talk about in a second with your brother. But I just think it was a fantastic way to to do this and just the business acting, like I said, of doing the products at first. And then they move into the movie-making business, what I thought that was a mind-blower for me. I have to tell you that. That was just mind-blown. That they started making the movies, you mean? Right. Yeah. Well, it again was just, you know, I think this is where my mom's ability to compartmentalize gets very funny because she's like, well, I didn't think that we were actually getting into pornography. And it's like, well, no, that's exactly what you were getting into, Mom. <laughs> but, okay, <laughs> you might not want to call it that. Uh, that's what that is. <laughs> and that's what that was. So just, just you know, it's but it's really funny. And I think that there's humor at the center of this film, which is, of course, what the world needs right now more than anything. <laughs> exactly. I love it. And I love, like you said, we're talking about all this, but you really did have some great people to go to and talk to in this. I love that you talked to Alexi Romanoff. My friend did an entire mm-hmm. documentary oh. on the black cat. So that's very cool. I love that you talked to Larry Flint in person. I love you talked to Jeff Stryker a little side thing for me which was funny maybe you can answer it's not i love that it was jeff striker as the chiron on there is it still <laughs> still kind of intimidating for him not to use his real name anymore does he um 
but I thought that was interesting. interesting. That was just like a weird oh, thing for me. Oh, wow. fascinating. You know, well, okay, on the Chiron note, like we didn't, you know, Alaska is also AKA. Alaska is right. Justin Honard, and he showed up in non-drag, so I could have said Justin Honard, AKA Alaska. But my right. decision on those Chirons was to go with what people are known as. And so that's why gotcha. Alaska is just Alaska. And then Jeff Stryker is Jeff Stryker. And also I think he, you know, in this movie and in other things, he presents as Jeff Stryker. But I do know him off the record. And I, I actually think with him in particular, Chuck Payton is his very, like, never, you know, people who know know that's what his name is. But I think that's right. his actual offstage private life name and I think um, I don't think he's um, I don't think he ever goes into the world as Chuck Payton in any kind of public way so that's the other piece of his story yeah but um, he is you're right not looking like Jeff Stryker in there he's looking more like a who's this new uh, older daddy who's I think still got it (laughs) I think so I'm I'm the older myself like I said that was my first Uh part 18 years old back in I graduated in 1982, so I, I know exactly of whence he came. So he's looking damn good. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I loved all of cool. the people that you were able to get to talk to it. Um, that It's very interesting to me. Was Did you find it easy to reach out to these people? You got Ryan Murphy to, to executive producer, co-produce. Talk about how you're going out and finding these amazing people to talk to and to work with you. Well, um, you know, I do have to say the gay angels looked over this movie. It's really clear to me. And it's, you know, and I mean that, I mean, of course, in some small way on a spiritual sense, I I do very much feel like I'm doing this in tribute to all the people that everyone knows are not here. And I would love to share this movie with the world. I mean, I really have a devastation for the generation that was lost. And we just... You know, those people did not get to live their lives. And they were beautiful, amazing young men. And Ryan Murphy knew those guys. And that's why he came to champion this film. Sorry, it just makes me upset because, no, these guards are really the heroes of the movie. And every single person in the AIDS section that I included was a porn actor. And those people are so valuable because... They actually showed their bodies on screen, and they allowed other gay men at that moment to see themselves in those beautiful, amazing images of men having sex. And, you know, that those guys didn't get to live their lives is very devastating to me. And I think that's where the people like Ryan came to this film and were like, thank you. They just said thank you to me. And and said, you know, I want to put my name on this movie. And, I, you know, I, I think on some level I had to appreciate the, like, wow, okay, you are Ryan fucking Murphy. You're that man right now who is in Hollywood and able to do whatever you want because you're a powerhouse. But also you're Ryan Murphy who lived through this, who actually right. fucking lived through this. And you knew what it was like to be vilified and ostracized as a gay man and be made fun of. I mean, the pain of that, he knows as well as anyone else, as well as any gay man who's his age. And so the fact that we have a gay person in Hollywood when this is a, you know, for many years a gross, heterosexual, white man's world um, is awesome. And I just feel like that, again, is like we have we have come a long way. And, and for Ryan to do the work he's done is really powerful. And for him to get behind this film is so powerful. 
Exactly. That is so cool. I love that story. I want to go about the evolution of your mother and get back to that again. Um, one of the things that I loved and broke my heart, um, watching it broke your heart as well in the documentary, is your brother saying that he was his attempts to, to come out to your parents about having bags packed and return ticket in case it didn't oh, go well, that yeah. he got kicked out of the house. And I want to talk your mom's journey from being very, oh, my gosh, from, from her religious background to championing PFLAG and being a facilitator in talks. What kind of a journey was that like to kind of behold? Oh, my God. It was just an amazing thing. And I think this is where, again, I feel a debt to my um, subjects, my parents and my brother, for being willing. First off, just Josh. I mean, I love him to death. We're like best friends. And he, you know, it took a lot of courage from him to tell his story in this movie. And, you know, I think so many people have that same story, which is so tragic. Like, wow. And a lot of people's story does not turn out that well, which is also like horrifying. And that's why this is so important. I think that's why my mom tells her story and she is in peace lag. And to this day, peace lag is doing this work really on a daily basis for people who say, as soon as their kid comes out, you are dead to me. You know, this is a constant. Um, it is not something that is has gone away. And they see it constantly in PFLAG. And I, I'm just so shocked, you know. And, and so when my mom said, well, there's a lot of gender variations, and I ho- and they're all okay, and I hope you keep that in this movie. You know, I think she could have said there's a lot of sexuality variations and gender variations. But there's a there's a shift in PFLAG where they're noticing, you know, we've come a long way with gay right. people. And we're now coming to trans people as our next frontier in PFLAG. And they're right there fighting for those trans kids. And they're right there fighting for all those gay kids. And, you know, they're fighting for the people not like you and me. They're fighting for the people who are religious fundamentalists. Who or or just you know whatever they are, they cannot find a way in their hearts to reconcile that they have a kid whose sexuality or gender is not part of the mainstream. And it's so important when you see a, a mom like my mom be able to change. Uh, it's an amazing part of the story, and uh, I love every second of it. Believe me, we don't have much time left because you are just so white hot right now going on sorts of interviews. I want to make sure that we talk a little bit about some of the downside of it and and where pornography has gone in general here. But I want to talk about you guys were the subject of a sting basically for selling three, uh, three videos you sent to of all places next door to me in Pennsylvania. And this became a huge lawsuit that your dad and your parents had to contend with. Um, it was such a weird time back then. I, there's so many aspects that intrigue me that it's actually Bill Clinton who kind of changed around the, the, the prosecutors and this stuff. Talk about that time. Were you aware of it? And I just got to say your parents were amazing through that. It had to be very hard. Well, you know, it's so interesting. I was totally unaware, and that's kind of what the film focuses on. It just shows that, you know, people, when they're raising kids and trying to do this thing, which is to shield their kids from whatever they need to shield them from, uh, can be almost miraculous in their efforts. And 
my parents did that. And I actually am shocked even now being like, wow, you know, it would have had to be that the cops knocked on the door and carted them off in handcuffs for the moment for me to recognize that um, they, you know, were going to jail. And, And their lawyer, John Weston, when I was interviewing him, said to me, that was a reality, Rachel. <laughs> I had no actual confirmation or security that we were going to get through this without them going wow. to jail. He said it was really lucky, really, really, really lucky. And, you know, um, a lot of things conspired in their favor, which were just sort of luck. And, you know, in addition, they had the best lawyer. Really, John Weston is like the best lawyer. And my mom talks a lot about the expense of his bills. And, and she says, but it was worth every penny of it because we didn't go to jail. I mean, seriously, they just didn't go to jail because of him is what. And because he says they got a prosecutor and a um, a jury of peers in Pennsylvania who were not hardcore religious they actually were decent people who were able to look at my dad and say you know what this guy just seems like a a decent guy who was maybe caught up in something and shouldn't go to jail for five years but yeah had he gone to jail I would have not have had my wonderful dad around in high school you know and and that happens to people in this world and it's disgusting and it happens to people our tax dollars are going you know it makes me think about all the kids whose parents went away for minor drug offenses, you know, selling marijuana. Oh, wait, and now that's legal? Okay, you just took this man away from his kids for five years during their adolescence when they needed him the most. Wow. Well, you care about family values? Go that, fuck yourself. Exactly. And Sorry, I, the go. two most powerful things I thought your mom said in there was one that if the war on drugs stopped, people lose jobs. I mean, these things are, are money-making exactly. for some people, drugs and pornography. Uh, for the people that are fighting against it, they do it, and they're making money off of this. And also, I love that mm-hmm. the First Amendment is strong, and it shows what it is. I thought those were powerful statements that she made. Yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, last part, I want to I want to start going down to the closing down. I mean, as the business acumen, I think of your mom and dad were amazing. But I think their maybe love of the interaction of the business did not see the way we're going to now. I mean, we have the Internet that takes over porn, and the parents, your parents were slow in getting a website. They were just kind of showing the product and not selling off of it. Looking back in hindsight, do they wish they innovated quicker? And uh, what do you think what, – what are their feelings? Um, it's got to be such a bittersweet thing going out of the business. Well, it's it's the end of an era for everybody, and I think that's what Circus of Books is all about. You know, I know that there were other Circus of Books in other places, and, you know, right. it's the end of the era for all the people that, you know, had to kind of sneak into the store and get that magazine that they would keep in their closet and hope no one saw it, but it was so coveted to them, you know, and I think that's what this film is memorializing. It's, you know, it's actually memorializing the culture of that, Secrecy, even though it was a sad thing that, and painful thing that you had to be secret, it was also an amazing thing. You know, there's a culture that I care about that is definitely disappearing. And first, the first wave of that disappearance happened in the AIDS epidemic, and now it's happening because of old age. You know, people are actually just getting to the point where they're dying and of natural causes. Right. And, you know, thank God for Alexei Romanoff to be able to tell his story in the movie because – 
most of the people of his generation are just not here anymore. And so I really, that's why I say when I made this movie, I assumed that my audience would be people like you who remember Jeff Stryker, (laughs) you know, and remember getting a magazine and how cool that was. So if this movie is for those people alone, I'm happy because I, you know, I really love and uh, value um, gay porn culture. I actually think in a way there's a culture there because it was in the shadows that, thrived and created something magical simply because it was underground despite the um the real risks that it had in society there was a culture that thrived well i just think that this is a phenomenal documentary on so many levels and there really is so many levels to this i i hope the listeners will take the time to watch it watch it a few times i've seen it twice now because there is so many different Mm -hmm. levels from the culture of the porn culture from the pornography laws at the time and Ed Meese and Reagan and what they were doing at the time. And they're being so late to the AIDS game and for just so many different levels on here. I want to thank your parents, your brothers, your family for being there and for you for documenting this. It's just an amazing film. And I hope you are very, very proud because you really should be. Well, thank you. I am. I really am. And uh, Saturday around this time, if you want to go and help support the film by doing live tweeting, we're going to be doing that and just do the hashtag on Twitter, Circus of Books, and try to get everyone to do it because the goal is to get Circus of Books as a hashtag to trend. So it's going to be really exciting. Oh, I'll be part of it. I'll I'll talk to all my listeners. I'll get all my listeners on it too. That would be amazing. Very, very cool. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I'm sure you should get Shishi on. She would love to be on, I'm sure. I want to finish okay. it out with the song because I'm going to play the song out, um, give you everything. Awesome. I have that. Absolutely. No, no, you, I'll get you in touch with everybody. They'll love your show. And um, this is the end credit song for the film. So um, it's on Spotify, by the way, so you can find it um, and download it if you want to. Well, it's an amazing it's video. Rachel Mason. I love yeah. the video. Everyone's got to see it. Um, the dancer, uh, Kevin Zambrando, is amazing. Oh, Totally. It's, it's I'm glad you're shouting him out. Video. Peaches. Peaches, thank you very much. Peaches, Peaches. Goodness it. gracious. Totally. I know. Show. I feel like thank you so much. Yeah, check out the music video and if you have a page to post that onto, please do. All right. Well thank you I and I will talk thank to you. Thank you very soon. much okay, for being bye. part of the show. I appreciate it and of I will course. talk to you very soon, okay? okay. Bye bye. Okay, great. Bye.
guys we are back live with you man two great interviews a big shout out thanks so much to rachel mason if you have not seen the documentary circus of books on netflix yet do yourself a favor do it this weekend uh let's get that hashtag circus of books going this saturday i'll be tweeting it out i hope you guys will tweet it out uh instagram all that fun stuff let them know And it's just an amazing documentary. If you're a little older like I am, you can remember the days of West Hollywood when that was just the place to be. And it only closed last year. So thanks, Rachel. And we will have uh, her brother, Josh, uh, is going to be coming on the show. And her lover, Buck Mason, will be coming on the show. So I'm excited for both of those to hear their perspectives from it as well. And then I have to thank Sam Cushing. such an amazing guy. Like I said, he's Captain America. He has the All-American Good Looks. He does a great website that he has out now just featuring positivity uh, from himself and from a lot of his followers. You need to be following him on Instagram. You need to follow his YouTube channel. And be sure to go to his YouTube link that I have in the blog talk link there that does his video for um, the hand sanitizer we're giving out free with everyone purchased to people that don't have the money for it. So it's just such a great cause. And I'm looking forward to getting to Sam a lot more over the years because he has nowhere to go but up. He is just amazing. And how about that piano playing? You hear that song at the end? Goodness gracious. The guy's amazing. So thank you so much for my guest today. I really, really appreciate their time. 
Uh, I got three brand new guests tomorrow, same bat time, same bat channel. We'll be here tomorrow night from 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific time, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern time here. And three great interviews. First up tomorrow, I'm going to have Joshua Conkle. Josh is an amazing writer and playwright. He has been writing currently for the last three seasons of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix. Also, the series of Unfortunate Events with Neil Patrick Harris on Netflix. He has an amazing short story, short film that was uh, he wrote and that Danny DeVito directed and started with his daughter. It's an amazing LGBT short film. We'll talk about that a little bit tomorrow as well. So he's the first interview up. And then second up, my buddy Josh Robbins is coming back on. Josh is an amazing HIV advocate and speaker out of Nashville. Uh, He does so much great work. He's uh, been doing it since he himself became positive. Uh, Gosh, I think it's been eight years now. Doing such great work on behalf of the HIV community. And as a treat, he is recently engaged, and he brought his fiance Jeffrey on with him. And they were, Jeffrey has his own amazing story I'm going to bring to you at a later time. But he'll be on for a little bit tomorrow as well. So stay tuned for that. And then we're going to wrap up tomorrow night with Kyle Langen. He runs his own lifestyle blog and video series on YouTube and podcast called uh, From Hamptons to Hollywood. Hamptons to Hollywood basically is it. If you go to his website, it's www.hamptonstohollywood.com. It, basically covers his life. He worked in the Hamptons. Now he's living in West Hollywood. And it's just a great lifestyle magazine. Talks about food, fun, all the great events that happen in uh, the Hamptons, West Hollywood. So three amazing guests. So I'm sure to check that out. Tell your friends, get to your favorite podcast distributor and subscribe just in case you ever miss a live episode. We're available on iTunes, on Spotify, on iHeartRadio, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, about 12 other places. Any place you get your podcast on, you're probably just going to be able to type in Left of Straight Show and find us there. And give us a follow on social media. I always like hearing from you. On Instagram and Twitter, it's at Left of Straight. And Left of Straight is always spelled L-E-F-T-O-F-S-T-R and the number eight. On Facebook, it's the Left of Straight Show is our page. And then my personal Facebook is open to the public, Scott Fullerton. You can send me a friend request. I always like to meet new people. So that's it. That's the show for today. Another great show tomorrow. We'll be here live five days. We have two more shows to go. we doing that entire time of Corona quarantine. So at least for another couple of weeks, we'll do five straight shows a week, Monday through Friday. I appreciate you listening. Thanks for being part of the Left of Straight family. Have a great night, everyone. Bye-bye.